Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. All right, this is Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner coming to you again for another episode of the Money Advantage Podcast. And yes, I see we're live, guys. I'm so excited about this. We have a special guest with us today, and I should have made sure I was pronouncing your name correctly. It's Jim Shields. Am I saying your name correctly? Nailed it. Yep, you got it. Yes. Awesome. Well, Jim, we are really excited to have this conversation with you today. You are the creator of 18 Summers, and you also are the author of The Family Boardroom, and we are really excited to dig into these concepts of really gelling and building strong family connections that last your whole life because you only have 18 summers. As you say in your book, that's just such a compelling two words that means so much, I think, to anyone who first hears it. Yeah. And that's that's why we named the company that. I remember when it hit me, but it was based, there was a study done that the average person will spend, I think it was 80, almost 85% of all the quality time they have with their children by the end of the 18th summer. Which starts to make sense because you know the, the time minimizes when they're moving out, becoming adults, and possibly not living near you. So it's saying try to make the most of those eighteen because they'll want to come back for more. And uh, and also you want to be intentional in those first eighteen. There used to be that entrepreneurial advice: Hey, put your head down for the next five, seven, ten years, and then you'll be uh, available for your family, and they'll understand. I think that is awful advice because uh, the years are not all created equal. Ah, so much packed into just those two things that you just shared. So, um, Bruce, before we dive too far in, um, I would love to um, just kind of unpack what we're talking about today in the show and then just hear your perspective before we dive into um, Jim's backstory and what brought him to this part of his life in doing this work. So, Jim says, and I would agree in most regards, but we'll unpack my thoughts in a little bit as well. You only have 18 summers with your kids, but you already shared that there's way more than that. It's just those are the first 18 summers. And when somebody is hearing that, they realize, oh my goodness, I need to make these summers really, really count. And so today we're talking with Jim Shields. He's created 18 summers. He's also the author of The Family Boardroom about how you, the entrepreneur, the business owner, the busy parent can deepen your relationship with your child. So we're talking not to people who aren't entrepreneurs and aren't business owners and aren't busy, which probably isn't our audience anyway. So if you're in a position of saying, I really do want to create lifelong bonds. I want trust that lasts. I want relationships that last and memories that we can look back on and really create a family culture that is lasting. This is a really good conversation to plug into today. So um, Bruce, let's hear your thoughts. I'm going to share then um, Jim's quick um, bio, and then we're going to dive into your story. Well, I I just want uh, people out there to realize that this is another person that we think are really, really high quality that has a message for our entrepreneurs. And it's the, and our mission from day one is to provide the highest quality people to our listeners from an educational standpoint. And Jim, just to give you a little background on myself, um, my wife and I were not able to have any children. So I, I can't relate on that aspect, although I spent the first 17 years of my career as an educator and coach at a school. And this is something that, you know, I try to uh, talk to my own parents about of the students is that I actually spend more time with them during the school year than you do. Yeah. Um, and, and so that I was an extension of you. So I would like to know more about you and what kind of values you have so I can mirror those values with them. Yep. And, the, and then the final thing that might come up in conversation is I told parents that, and this is, I think, where you're coming from, at least partly for your 18 summers, is that modeling is more important than what your words are. And so that is especially true when you have the developmental process of a young child. Yep. And I think we forget that all the time is that, you know, you can say what you want in quick snippets and say, you know, be a good person, don't do this, but you have to spend that quality time modeling what you're saying, because that's the most, that's the most uh, influential thing that a person develops their character along the way. Yeah. And that's a great point. And this isn't about, you know, having 
and I don't even like that, your own children. This is about relationships, you know, and, you know, one of the things I talk about, there's lots of, you know, I think there was a saying, God um, gave us friends to apologize for certain family members. You know, there was some joke like that. And so when someone like you comes in and plays a part in kids' lives, you know, then, then that is that is the type of relationship we're talking about. You know, in fact, something that I always say, it doesn't have to be blood related. And three of my children of my five are adopted. So, you know, oh, awesome. uh, and we, uh, you know, trying, there was a saying that we came up at one of our last retreats and it was, if you want to remain valuable or valid, you know, make a difference in the life of a child. If you want to become, you know, expendable, you know, worthless, sit around and watch the news all day. You know, we have a choice. And, you know, when you take that after role to make a difference in the life of a child, uh, it doesn't matter if it's blood or not. There's some sort of deep rooted purpose um, that is extremely attractive, not only to you, but the people around you and to, I think, just enjoying life. So true. That's so true. Oh my goodness. There's just so much, um, such rich stuff to unpack here. So let me just share a little bit of your background for our listeners. So when YPO, that's Young Professionals Organization, EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, Harvard University and other world-class organizations want their to help their people succeed at home, which is a huge category of their life, right? Not just their business life, a huge category of their life. They call on Jim Shields. There's a reason people call him crazy glue for families. I love that. So in keynote presentations, workshops, team events, or private consulting, Jim has helped hundreds of top entrepreneurs and thought leaders around the world focus and implement where it really counts at home. Yeah. yeah, and it was something that I fell into, and it was not because of perfection that I went into this. It's because I was lost and needing guidance, and I wanted to try to create some simple formulas, some simple rhythms, some, 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 a simple maybe blueprint to follow. And... Um, and that's that's what I think we've done. You know, we want entrepreneurs. I'm the last person to take away ambition. I'm a fire red entrepreneur in a lot of ways, but I want to see people be successful in business and at home. Mm. And uh, and sometimes we miss that second part. You know, I think one of the main reasons I think that can happen so often is that our business life can be so public. It's so exposed to other people. It can be the identity that so many people carry, and our home life can be something that well, not everyone sees. It's not public. It's not necessarily on display. And so if I'm thriving in the public category, but I'm not thriving in all the stuff that people don't see, I carry the weight, my family carries the weight, but it doesn't necessarily reflect on my professional life. And I think sometimes it can take away the focus of how important it really is to make that investment at home. So thank you for making a difference in this area. How did you come across this whole um, direction, this this desire to really focus on family? How did that story happen for you? Yeah, a, a real um, change agent was back in 2011. I remember uh, I was sent an article about a guy named uh, Walter Isaacson. And his claim to fame is he was the biographer for Steve Jobs. Mm. And it's a really interesting read because he was being interviewed a few days after Steve Jobs had passed away. And the article went like this. Steve Jobs spent his final days surrounded by close family and used the opportunities for final interviews uh, to explain to his wife and children why he wasn't always there for them. And uh, Jobs was quoting this article of saying, I wanted my family to know who I was. I wasn't always there for them. And I wanted to explain why and for them to understand. Mm. Um, and this guy, Isaacson, I gave him a lot of credit because according to the article, he fired right a question at Steve Jobs. He said, Steve, are you glad you had a family? Are you glad you had children? You know, powerful question for a moment like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there he was with a dying man, you know, close to the end. And uh, Steve Jobs fired right back. And he said, it's 10,000 times better than anything I've ever done. And uh, and that stuck with me. And I'll tell you why, because I was following some of the news in the media at the time. You know, Steve had just passed away uh, a few days earlier, arguably one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. Uh, and I saw all the candlelight vigils. I saw the giant murals. I was reading these incredible stories of, you know, the entrepreneurial adventures. Uh, but no one was talking about this one little article, you know, and I had I had a, a big shift. Um, and it was at a time I really needed to to have this happen. 
Um, you know, and at first I tried to dismiss the lesson. Oh, Steve Jobs had a reputation for being a jerk. That's not me. Uh, but then I thought, you know, what if the rug of health was pulled out from underneath me right now? You know, would I be in the same situation six months from now doing final interviews, trying to explain myself? Mm-hmm. And I thought of all the time I put that next benchmark in and I promised once I hit that one, then I'd slow down. I'd be more present. I'd be more available for my family. Um, and, and there was a lot going on at that time that I needed to hear. This was a time in my life you know, we were growing our, our family from two to five children. So we were we were still on the journey. You know, um, I was I had adopted my two oldest sons. We were having miscarriages before we went on to have our next two biological. Uh, I was bringing my real estate investment company still back from near extinction for the 08 meltdown. Uh, and I had just literally the week before gotten uh, the letter of approval from the Mayo Clinic to donate a kidney to my father. Um, oh, and that wow pretty profound thing. My wife had to step down from a career she loved to help me with the recovery. Uh, When all these things hit at once and seeing this, I just went to a point of critical where I just never looked at family life the same. Mm. And and what I tried to do is just share my journey on how I was going to put it into priority and how could I put it more simply into priority that people could follow, that I could follow because I like to mess things up. If things get too complicated, I'm out. I'm not going to stick with it. (laughs) And that's really how um, how our 18 Summers business was born. It started with, it's funny, you guys said, oh, you know, this person or this person. The three people you named all had attended our family retreats. And it was really just a group of entrepreneurs organically getting together, say, how do we prioritize family? How do we teach our kids lessons not taught in school? And that's a lot of our 18 Summers message, keeping rhythms and important lessons we need to step in and teach our children. Mm. So, so profound. And I'll share this. Most of our audience knows, but um, we also had a shift towards really focusing on family. So I have a daughter right now who's 11. Um, Mm -hmm. I have another daughter who is three and a half and we have one on the way. um, Thank you. And um, we, so after the birth of my second daughter, so about three and a half, close to four years ago now, I almost died. It was a very, very crazy um, birth story. Um, And that just completely altered our focus and direction. We've been entrepreneurs. We've been putting a lot of time and energy into business. And honestly, reflecting, my husband and I, Lucas and I, were looking and just realizing that we've been putting a lot more priority on the business and growing that at the expense of family time. And of course, we're like, well, hey, we have quality time with family but there wasn't a tremendous focus on building family and what everything in our life was about and and what it was for. And so that just shifted everything where we started really diving in. What are the lessons we want to teach our kids? What is our family mission and our values? And and how do we really create a culture that truly matters? It really shifted this whole perspective of our our life to say, how do we make a difference for these kids so that we can impact generations to come? And so I just, I love your message. I resonate with it so deeply. So let's, um, let's go ahead and talk about, you, you mentioned 18 summers. And so when I first hear that, I'm like, well, there's not really only 18 because you want to build a lifelong relationship that they want to keep coming back for. But that is actually what you said too. So, so why 18 summers? Why is that so um, poignant for people to hear that message? It, it I mean, it, it's definitely this like, oh, time is running out message, but why? Why do you have only 18 summers to really make the greatest impact on your kids? I mean, when you think about it, they turn 18, they can go off to college, to the military, move out on their own. They're out of high school. Um, I don't know about you, but my 19-year-old doesn't hang out with as much as me, although we we hang out. He doesn't hang out with me as much as my five-year-old does. Um, And that's probably a good thing. I think it would be if it was the other way around. Time just delineates. And, you know, it's, it's, this is a, a statistic that, you know, p- they move away and, and think about it. Your 25 year old probably won't be there as much as your 11 year old will be. And so it is a positive math equation. Whenever I say this on stage, you see that simple math going in, you know, and I adopted my two oldest sons when they were seven and five. And when my mentor told me this, I was like, pardon my French, but holy shit, wait a minute, only 11 summers left. That's it. So it causes a positive urgency. And it's something I think that's always in the back and you're more intentional. You're wanting to make the moments count a little bit more. Um, and, and that's been good. And, and again, of course, you have more than 18 summers. But here's what I know, working in this over a decade. You do those first 18 years right, those first 18 summers right, the odds of your child wanting to be 
a part you to be a part of their life as an adults go up dramatically. You're missing, you're not there, you know, you're you've just been kind of a distant disciplinarian, ATM machine that wasn't part of the family life. The odds go down. Mm-hmm. And no one really wants to hear that, but sadly that's the truth of the matter and that's with working with thousands of families over the last decade. Uh, the good news is there are some simple offensive moves we can make. Uh, I think to change that. And I'm sure we'll go over a few of those principles today. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, there's so much in that too, because it requires intentionality, but then intentionality in what direction? I mean, there's just so much that somebody could say, well, yeah, I want to make them matter, but how do I, how do I actually do that? And, and so let's go ahead and dive into some of what you, you mentioned formulas, you mentioned rhythms as well. What rhythms, and I love that you share this, what rhythms would you share that are really critical to not only make that positive impact and really invest well with your kids and deepen the relationship, but to simplify home life. Because I think sometimes just the complexity of everything that happens, kids going to, you know, sports and you've got to do the grocery shopping and the cooking and all of the, whether they're going to school or you're homeschooling, there's just so much that can just happen in the minutia of life, cooking and cleaning yeah. that that can eat up a lot of the time that you do have available to make the difference. So what would you say are some rhythms that really make that difference? Well, again, you only need if people are like, oh, rhythms and rhythms are just intentional habits that you practice over and over for good results. You know, and I like the word rhythms more than habits because you can have a bad drinking habit, a habit of yelling out a turn, you know, rhythm that's more intentional, more musical element. Uh, But before, let me go back to principles because these three principles that I have and really what we became known for are the basis for a lot of my rhythms. So once you understand these, you can put them into a few different rhythms. Awesome. Um, and I'll give two examples of rhythms. The first principle that is the, like, if, if you don't listen to anything, and I say this every time I speak, if you don't listen to anything else today, you know, that's fine. But hear this one thing. Um, if you want to have a really strong family and those dynamics of deeper relationships, you have to separate the parts to strengthen the whole. And that is what we call the one-to-one principle. One-on-one time. One-on-one time puts the magnifying glass on that individual relationship, takes away sibling rivalry, gives full attention. It, It is an absolute potent, potent relationship builder that's rarely practiced. We get busy, you know, and one-on-one time is not when your child's sitting in the back seat and you're taking two phone calls and listening to a podcast. It's much more intentional. And the next two principles will build on that. But one-on-one time um, was a huge thing for me when I adopted my sons. It keeps me and my wife falling in love deeper and deeper with the practice we have. Yeah, we love our kids, but we need our time mm-hmm. together. Uh, and it was one-on-one time that convinced my father to, uh, you know, he's a stubborn little Irishman. He wasn't going to accept the kidney from me. And I had never really spent one-on-one time with my dad. You know, it's not, we had five kids in the family. We never had a lot of money. Um, But that was really nice, you know, going through that to be able to have one-on-one time. So one-on-one time just, you know, it it pulls away the curtain. It puts the magnifying glass on the relationship in a positive way. Look, and I like big family gatherings. Like I was raised Irish Catholic, which means I have like 7,000 cousins. Mm -hmm. You know, but and those are great, but it's the deeper connection points, the deeper conversations where you get your kids to open up on things you want them to come to instead of their friends or the Internet. It's always been setting the stage of being one on one where that's come through. Same thing with my wife. So the first principle that I want people to really look and say, do you schedule one on one time with each of your family members? Because mm-hmm. if you separate those parts, it will strengthen the whole. That's alone very awesome because you're right. There can be so much that can be happening in the group. I mean, you can do teachings in a group, you can play family games in a group, but to have the really personal conversations that is always one-on-one. And I've heard this said from so many different angles, and I believe it very firmly that you can't have a strong family if you don't have strong individual relationships and you can have strong individual relationships if individual people aren't healthy, but the marriage has to come before focusing on the kids if you really want the kids to be healthy. So um, thanks for drawing attention to that. 
we do one and that's part of one of my rhythms but you know my wife and i we do date night every week even when we have a 10 month old since she was six weeks you know sometimes she'd go in the sling other times you know we were down the road for at least an hour hour and a half and our babysitter extraordinaire was great with babies had her but we we need our time together and uh you know it's amazing i've taught at some pretty cool events and you know i can always go to someone uh, a group of entrepreneurs so let's say it's a business organization of of owners like eo or ypo and i say look how many of you have a set day and time when you meet with your cfo all the hands go up and you meet with your marketing and sales team every tuesday 8 a.m great so what is the day and time that you get together for a date with your spouse each week and less than 10 percent of the hands go up Mm. in the room and i'll say and they're oh well we're feeling a little stretched at home a little distant um a little bitter and say when's when's the last time you went on a date just the two of you oh maybe eight nine months ago i'm going oh my gosh can you imagine not showering for eight or nine months (laughs) no that's not going to play out well so um so yeah it's this is this is a it, it it almost because I want to make something clear. I am not a family psychologist. I'm not a I'm not a therapist. It's none of that. I was a struggling entrepreneur that just look at family in a different priority. And so I tried to look at simple things that could be used over and over. And the one to one principle is so overlooked uh, and so ignored. It, it just shocks me that that no one else really talks about this. Uh, but of any of our following when they say, man, I didn't understand the importance of one-on-one time till that. And it's made, uh, you know, an astronomical difference. So that's why I tell people, look, the other stuff I'm going to talk about is great. You do just this one thing. It's an unfair advantage for having a strong family life. I completely agree. When I was in that position as an educator, that was somewhat of a piece of advice I would tell parents all the time when they were struggling, getting a something across and I'd say, don't do it on the way home when everybody's stressed out. Don't do it, you know, when the situation comes up, let's mm-hmm. say because they're they're not studying or they're not taking the trash out. Don't because because everybody's emotion level is really, really high. Mm-hmm. I said, do it when you're under a calm situation, stone sport. The piece I missed, and I'm glad you're bringing this up right now, the reason I'm I'm emphasizing this is to schedule it, then you know everybody's going to be calm at that time. Yeah. Whether and, and you're going to get it accomplished. If you're just waiting for the right time, you might miss it. You might not think about it. It's not intentional. So that is a really, really good part point that you're making it that it even if your intention is to have these talks with your each individual, you have to schedule that talk to make sure that they happen. Exactly. So that's really, really good. Yeah, I'd love to share two little points on that too. Um, My husband and I have gone in and out of seasons of having regular date nights and we're back to having regular ones. But I feel that sometimes it can just be a challenging barrier to entry when you're like, well, I need to find a a date night sitter and I need to find a place to go and it's the expense of it. So wherever you are in your life, you can have a date night in your own house once the kids go to bed. And that can still be a scheduled time that you say, this is just us. Here's our conversation that we're going to talk about. Here's Here's how we're going to really connect with each other. And it doesn't have to be something that's elaborate. If you lower the barrier to entry, I think you can make that something that can be much more easily um, accomplished on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. And like you guys both pointed out, one of the big talking points we try to hammer home in our book, in our workshops, retreats, that which we schedule gets done. Yes. At which we schedule gets done. If you own a business out there and your biggest client investor, you never scheduled time with there, you think you were crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my family is my most important investors, key team members, you know, partners in my life. So I schedule the time. And our book is about every quarter I spend a day with each one of my children, one-on-one. Every week, um, I do a date with my wife. And something that might help you uh, on this, Rachel, is... Remember, I'm an ADD entrepreneur, which means I can mess things up a lot if we don't keep them simple and in rhythm. So in, in, in the beginning, you know, it's like you said, it's hard to get the date and, oh, let's squeeze it in here. We took all the guesswork out. Date night is every Wednesday, 530 to 830. 
Hump day, middle of the week, great breaking point. Wednesday, 5.30 to 8.30. Wednesday, 5.30 to 8.30. Same bad time, same bad channel. Now, how that helps is, you know, as much as I like you guys, if you guys have been like, hey, could we do a podcast today at at six o'clock? I'd say, guys, I have, and I'd probably share it with you guys, but others I'd just say, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm booked for something then. Uh, so it's my team knows the schedule around it. Oh, no, he's not going to do a client dinner. That's Wednesday night. He's, he's not doing that. You know, it's, don't set a client call for him, you know, then that's, and, and they know. And plus, like you said, you know, we, we range now from 19 down to 11 months. So we got the range. Yeah, uh, the bigger ones are out and doing things, but our younger ones, they need a sitter. Well, we know that our sitter knows every Wednesday she's, she's there for, 530 to 830. So we have that standing day because like you said, a week moves fast. We're like, well, let's do date night Friday. I call our two sitters. They can't do it. Da, 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 da. Oh, there was something on the calendar for Friday. Like, so we just, I think sometimes when you simplify it to same day, same time, mm-hmm. whew, that's when it clicked into place. And we rarely, rarely ever miss date night now. That's awesome. You're prioritizing it and you're also making it something that you're regularly doing. It's a rhythm for you. It's not an option. Um, I was just going to point out as well, my youngest gets alone time with me. She calls it a date every time we have alone time because older sister and dad are together out of the house doing something. He's dropping her off at dance or something. She said, mom, it's a date. She loves it. They thrive on this time because no matter how you look at it, yes. I mean, they want attention. They need attention. And you might, I mean, some families have 10, 11 kids. That's wonderful for the team because they can do a lot together, but each individual child still needs that individual attention and focus. Oh, so. yeah. no, one-on-one time is is a game changer. You can't, you can't hide in the corner, you know, and none of us for all our Brady Bunch fans out there want the next Jan Brady, you know, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. It, it one-on-one time gives that focused attention, which is extremely important. I mean, we talk about individuality, our children are very different. And if we're always hurting them together, yeah, I want family time together, but they're each individualized and they need that individual attention and time. Otherwise there starts to be bitterness or he likes him more than me. I mean, with us, everyone gets a day a quarter, so they can't argue that point. They're, they're getting that time. Um, and, and that's important. And for busy entrepreneurs like me who might run past things too quick. This makes me stop and smell the roses and be fully present with the people I care about. Uh, love it. Love it. What are your next two principles? Yeah. And they all tie into these. Let's you know let's keep these in mind for date night and spending a, a half day to a day with my children each quarter. You know, the, the, And that's, oh, is that enough? I mean, my I don't remember. Spend, I wish I had spent a day, a quarter with my father growing up. We definitely, we didn't even do a day in 10 years alone. Um, you know, and so it, this is a great breaking up of things. And the second thing that supports both date night uh, and our family board meeting strategy, you know, an individual day with each of your children, a quarter, is something that we coined called uh, intermittent tech fasting. So we've all heard of uh, intermittent fasting, right? It's a great uh, from what I've read, and again, I'm not a medical expert, or, but a lot of my health professional friends have said it's really good for weight maintenance, muscle tone, uh, organ revitalization. You know, again, with intermittent fasting, you're not giving up eating, right? You're just disciplined to be eating between certain times. Um, and then it has all those benefits and more supposedly from, from all the studies that I've read. And um, when I first well, I was run over by technology. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, you always have to, I'm building a business. I want to be on call. It's almost a badge of honor. You need times of complete and total unavailability. Um, so my phone is not invited with me on date night. I made that mistake in the beginning. I mean, how rude and irresponsible to take a text, a call, a useless Facebook thread response. I mean, my phone is not invited with me on date night. My phone is never, and this is in the book, never comes on these half day or day adventures each quarter with me and my kids. Mm. You know, and I'll tell you a story because we're not that good. You know, we all know where our mind will spin off as soon as you feel that little in your pocket. Oh, yeah. so I'll tell you guys a quick story. Coming home, um, at the end of the day, I turn off my phone normally for two hours. And um, 
my daughter was five at the time. She's eight now. She goes, Daddy, can we get on the trampoline? You know, we have a trampoline. We love getting on it together. And as I'm getting on the trampoline, I didn't leave my phone in the car, which I normally do, you know, for that time coming home and being home. Well, I'm getting on, I feel that little So right away, before I even looked, my mind's going into four different scenarios. I pull the phone out of the pocket and I'm getting a text that a closing we were doing on a real estate deal, someone messed up some really simple details. I mean, really, and I'm just, I'm now I'm upset. I'm swearing under my breath, you know, going into fix it mode, but every, you know, it's can't, nothing can happen until tomorrow at this point. And, uh, and I'll never forget my daughter staring up, looking at me. I finally come to present where I am. And she's looking at me with this sad look on her face and goes, daddy, why, why are you so mad at me? And it's like, ah, gosh, like dig a, a knife into my side. We, we're not as good as we think we are. We think we can multitask. Uh, and there's so many times that we've tried to be half in parenting or half in husband or wife. And you do that half-ass answer and you think, oh, I got away with it. They think I was paying attention. And if you had a hidden camera, you'd be embarrassed of the way you responded. I know I have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I found is in these important connection times of one-on-one, I practice intermittent tech fasting. I'm not telling you that you need to give up technology and move to a survival ranch in Montana, but I'm saying for these really, you know, focused times of, of connection, you want that phone off. My phone is not invited on date night, not with my kids. And when I do these, these, you know, half day adventures with, with my sons who are older ones who are still 17 and 19, they're not allowed to have their phones on and they know that, you know, and I'm saying, look, you're not giving it up forever. But if we're going to be together, let's be together. Uh, and this one thing, if we're always on our phone, how do we? How do our children know that they're of most importance or our spouse? And if we're always seeming to be dragged into that useless text or email, and maybe it's not useless. Yeah, I understand you're working hard, but they have something really important to talk to you about. Do you think that's going to invite them out to talk about it? Or is it going to continue to hold it in? Uh, I've seen that it usually continues to hold it in. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Ah, this so, is so this, yeah, this this might be a good time to to bring up a concept that Rachel and I talk about on our podcast a lot. Um, and that's this concept of work-life balance. And you hear that all the time. And to me, and I I think you're in agreement with this, and I don't mind you challenging me on this, but if you're not, I don't even like the work-life balance concept because Really, it's just our life, and you decide, and you determine how you want to spend your life. So, to bring in this concept of work-life balance, I think it actually causes you to not be very good at either one of those situations. Where if you see your life as just the balance of everything, then you actually can develop really good relationships, and you can actually perform much better in your in your quote unquote work situation. So how does that work into, you know, your thoughts on, on all this? I agree totally with you again. Look, life is not precise. You know, accounting is precise life and relationships are not necessarily precise. You know, I think of being back in school, which I was never very good at, you know, the little balancing things where you had to, put the exact same amount of the little cubes on it to balance. And, you know what I mean? And that's very precise. And that's not really how, like you said, that's what I see for balance, but for work life, I gave that up a long time ago. A person who, you know, really promotes my wife and I in our book is a friend of mine named Dan Martell. He's got a pretty big following uh, and just actually released his second book called buy back your time, you know, very successful has built and sold a few businesses. Um, And he taught me, what his term was, I said, Dan, I'm going to use that forever. He said, good, because I use your family board meeting strategy forever. Um, but giving him credit, he's the one who said, why don't, why don't we just aim for work-life integration? And that sat with me so much better. It's integrating awesome. yin and yang. It's not It's not this, the, the old balance scale in school, right? We're, we're, um, we're, 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 we're integrating so that they can, they can wrap together. And now when I've, when I've looked at that, it's not like these separate things way apart from each other. It's integrated. So right now I'm in Costa Rica 
I'm doing a podcast with you guys. I've already had three investors calls this morning. And early morning, I was on the beach with my whole family surfing. Um, this is integration. And when I when I thought about integration before, I would have said, wow, I'm working. I got a real estate business back in Florida. I need to be there. And when I'm on vacation, I'll go to Costa Rica. I thought, wait a minute. How do I integrate this? How do I integrate so I'm doing my best for my family and best for my business, but also getting what I really enjoy? And integration has allowed that over the word balance. So I agree with you. You know, I think, Bruce, people should throw the word work-life balance out. Because yes. the longer I've done that, the more I have an integration uh, and I'm seeing things as fun. Of course, there's still difficulties and setbacks. And I mean, if you're in business, that's going to happen. But there's more enjoyment. Um, and, and there's more, um, it just, just fulfillment purpose. too. Yeah, fulfillment. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for more fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's, and it's not like business has gotten worse. It's gotten better. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, that's, I'm with you. I, I gave up work-life balance. I encourage anyone listening to this aim for integration. How do you integrate your personal and professional life together? So both are running smoothly. You know, I know that one-on-one -on -one time, can do it. I know intermittent tech fasting can do it. And that can go for the same. Like I'm not going to let my wife or my son start texting me right now. We're doing a podcast. You know, I love them to pieces, but I promised you guys my full attention to teach this. So I'm fasting when it comes to my phone right now. Um, so you can see how these can all tie together, even with some of our work things, me and my, my, my building partner, you know, who are doing a lot of projects in Florida, we have dinner once a month. No one's invited, not our spouses, not our not a, and no, none of people on our staff, us, because we need that time. So this is how you can kind of integrate that that work life integration. But you're also focusing, so it's not scattering, it's not multitasking, it's focusing, it's segmenting your time, but focusing. So what is the third principle? Uh, third principle is what I call say the unspoken. Mm. So for our family warming strategy, you know, the whole book was about, you know, adopting my sons and really developing the relationship by every quarter, we do a half day or a day one-on-one -on -one without a phone and let them play in the day, you know, go all in and let them play in the day. And, you know, that's kind of experiential education, uh, which I'm a huge fan of. But on these days or on these date nights with my wife, I've learned to say the unspoken. And what I've learned for a lot of our relationships, they're missing a uh, a, a genuine compliment or a sincere apology. And for our entrepreneur friends out there, we're usually pretty shitty at both, uh, especially the apology one. Our bravado, our ego, you know, gets in the way, uh, but it's really a way to deepen the relationship very quickly. You know, I know uh, there's there's been times I think I've had a full conversation with my wife and I don't know a word if it's been spoken, you know, and I ask this in front of big crowds and they're like, oh, that's me. And I'm like, thank you for being honest that you're just as crazy as I am. But we rush through things and we're busy. We think we've given that genuine compliment, that sincere apology. And what I found is when I'm with my wife on a date or I'm with my children one-on-one -on -one for one of these days, that's when I can get vulnerable, lower my guard. And we're all like this with our guard up too damn often, lower our guard and say, you know what? I was pretty short and, and a little testy last week or two weeks ago. And I just want to apologize. I'm not, you know, uh, that's not fair. Something was going on with work or, Hey, I noticed you've been working really hard in this and you're helping your friends out with something. I was watching from the sideline. That was, I was really proud to see you, you know, stepping in for your friends, what, whatever it is. When you take the time to do that, first of all, an apology, a sincere one, not a, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not um, a real apology, yeah. No, no, it's not. Um, and I've tried those. Those, you know, went bye-bye a long time ago. <laughs> I used to foolishly try them. Um, you know, that, that, that helps lower the guard, rebuild trust. Uh, because especially with a lot of parents, you know, us entrepreneurs can be pushy people. And, uh, and we can aim for what I call entrepreneurial immunity. You know, yeah, I might have lost my temper a bit or been a little grouchy or or unavailable or, you know, glazed over and not paying attention at home. But I'm I'm running a business. I'm running two businesses. You know how hard I'm working? And we think that although providing for our family is a, is a huge honor and 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 nobility, I think, 
um, it doesn't give us immunity. It doesn't give us the immunity of of manners and respect. Uh, and I've watched a lot of parents roll over their children saying, I don't need to apologize. I'm working too hard. And let me tell you, that only lasts so long. And when it starts to come out towards that end of that 18th summer, I'm like, I don't need to put up with this shit anymore. You know, you didn't treat me with respect. You rolled right over me. It's something we all want to avoid. It should be a concern of everyone. But I've just learned those simple words. If you're, if you have the courage to share a real, genuine, direct compliment or an apology, again, the guard comes down, the relationship builds up. Ah, love it. There's so much that we could talk about. And I know that I, I want to go in a hundred directions. We've got about 10 minutes left here. So um, you've mentioned the family board meeting strategy. Can you talk about what that means um, just in a nutshell? And then um, we'll see how much time we have after that. I'd love to ask you as well. You you mentioned specifically finding teachable moments everywhere. And I'd love for you to be able to talk about that briefly as well, if we have time. Yeah, I, I think you're going to find we have a lot of time because I kind of just Mr. Miyagi does back into it. Not that I'm Mr. Miyagi, but I have to keep things simple, wax on, wax off, or I'm going to screw them up. So our whole book is about when I adopted my sons, I wanted to make sure I was there for them because they had some really bad times before me, them and my wife, you know, in a situation that was not their fault, you know, and um, I want to make sure I was there for them. And so what I started to do is these half days, one-on-one without electronics, letting them pick the day and then have deep conversation at the end, you know, maybe a genuine compliment and apology. And I share it pretty openly in the book and pretty vulnerably. And that first year of doing those changed our relationships, helped some major turnarounds with one of my now adopted sons that really struggled from some things that he went through earlier. And, you know, it was a great gift. And and I started to share this concept of masterminds and events. And I'm like, I'm a real estate investor. I don't, I don't want to talk about this stuff. First of all, it's very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, you know, I, I don't feel qualified, all those things. Uh, but I kept getting pushed. In fact, Bruce brought up Shannon Waller from Strategic Coach. She saw me speak on this uh, at a pretty big event in Toronto in my beginning days, probably about 11 years ago. And she came up to me afterwards and said, if you don't write a book on this, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's an ultimatum. For anyone know that is Shannon, she is sweet as the day is long. So I mean, it was said with a smile, but half serious, like this is too important. Nice. So my wife and I, you know, put it together. But the whole book was about setting intentional rhythms, using those principles, um, and and it doesn't. The solution does not have to be as complicated as we made the problem, you know. And I've seen now thousands and thousands of people use our our strategy, some pretty big names, which is cool, but just as cool as just people that might not have a known name and are still getting the relationship they want with their family. That's about, I want to see it for everybody. Um, and so that's, that's, that's pretty much how the, the book was written. It was not planned. It was not comfortable. Um, and I do want to add this because this just came up when, when we did this book, you know, we, we didn't know what we were doing. I made it short because I like short books. We tried to make it really vulnerable and personal. And I think it was about an $800 budget for the first edition. And we put it out and we had had some big people get behind us. I didn't even know what podcasts were at the time. Um, and a guy named James Altucher, who saw me speak, who has a pretty big podcast, said, I'd like to bring out my 300th episode. And I'm like, great. Uh, I think it was my second podcast. I didn't really know how they worked. I have friends in New York calling me. You were just on James Altucher's podcast. That didn't mean anything to me. I was like Forrest Gump. I was completely clueless. Um, and uh, but the point of that saying is, you know, sometimes impact investing or, or doing something you care about can take off. Um, we weren't expecting anything, but now you know, hundreds. You know, we've sold tens of thousands of copies of the book and and gotten to be part of some cool events and. That's that's something that, you know, you do something you care about. You never know what's going to happen. That's so awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, let's do this. We've covered a lot of ground. Um, we definitely need to give a huge plug to go get the book Family Board Meeting, The Family Board Meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell everyone where they can find you, how they can find more about your work with 18 Summers, how they can get your book. Yeah, uh, my wife does a great job on... Um, on Instagram, 18 Summers Tribe of seeing our family life, what we're doing, what we're up to, the rhythms we're involved with, just an enjoyable place to be. And then 18summers.com, our website, you can learn more about 
what we do talks, workshops, and retreats. Uh, the book is available on Amazon, and that's probably the best ways to uh, to find out about us. That is awesome. Bruce, did you have anything that you wanted to ask before we end here? I think we could talk all day, but I want to make sure that we wrap up. Yeah, I appreciate that, Rachel. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah, there's so many things that I would like you to clarify, but, you know, obviously we don't have the time, but, you know, I'm, I, I believe I'm a little older than you. And what I've noticed as I get older, uh, we face our mortality. And it, it, it seems like that would be obvious, right? But yeah. it's, not it's not obvious. And, you know, you want to try to tell, you know, people that you only have 18 summers, but they know it's true, but they don't believe it, if that makes any sense. And I've always been a, a, a big believer that the teacher appears when the student's ready. But, but as an advisor, I also want to expose people to the education, but also advise them and try to get them to move into the direction that I've already experienced. Mm. And so there's always that fine line between education and advising. And is there anything in this last couple of minutes that you have found that actually can help people see the immediacy of taking action? Yeah. Um, you know, I think you just have to take stock in things that have happened in your own life. I mean, everyone knows Steve Jobs and all the money he had, all the influence, he didn't get to see all 18 summers of his children's life. You know, there are no guarantees. And I think in the rush of things, we we go from mortality to immortality. We think, oh, that's so far away. You just never know. And I think I've, I was at an event here in Costa Rica last week with a pretty cool group of entrepreneurs. And the whole thing was, you know, appreciating life by really embracing mortality. And I think that sometimes we have to slow down. We have to take stock. Do we know any people that were close to us that were cut down in their prime? You know, that it it didn't happen for them or God forbid, which I've seen happen, luckily not to us, but lost a child. It, these should give you a scared straight the same way that 18 summers should. You don't have to believe me. The stats are there though. You know, oh, that's, that's not true. I'll, I'll have plenty of time. Okay, that's fine. You're you're fighting against nature and 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 real base base concepts here. But so I think one of the best ways is to really embrace that and take inventory. The second thing I think a lot of people have to do: a lot of entrepreneurs run away from family life because it's a hell of a lot easier to be a good in business than good at home. And one, you're a leader in your industry. You're getting pats on the back. You know, the silent you know, troubles of home or difficulties um, sometimes can be hard for people to bear. There's a great amount of love, but pride. And, you know, it's a very deep emotional thing with your spouse, with children. And we really hold ourselves to an awful level of perfection there. And sometimes holding that awful level of perfection can make you want to run away, can make you dig into your work deeper. Um because we either don't think we can help, we think we're going to mess it up worse, or we don't feel comfortable like we have the ability to to really improve the situation. So what I always encourage people is take inventory on, like you said, the mortality. And have you seen other people with way more money than you get cut down at earlier times they never expected? And secondly, one thing I always say is there is no perfect family. Mm-hmm. Everyone's looking for perfection. So when you have perfection, you know, as part of your part of your mantra, your goal, Bruce, especially around marriage or family, man, why even start? You're starting an impossible climb up the impossible mountain. It just doesn't exist. So I just remind people there is no perfect family. I haven't met one in 10 years and thousands of families. It's not about perfection. It's about bridging our imperfections and then just making the most of the time we've got together. You know, there's not much more complicated than that. So I think if people will take inventory and just take that pressure of perfection off themselves and their family and children can start to become more enjoyable and you you can, you know, get better results. 
Mm. Well, I That's hope awesome. our uh, I hope our listeners have gone all the way to the end uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I'm going to show my age a little bit, and I think uh, Harry Chapin, "Cats in the Cradle," uh, song would be a good one for people to research and listen to because it kind of embodies what you're talking about today. And then I hope maybe someday we could have you back on because as I was researching all of your work, one of some of your content, one particular statement you made, uh, I want to actually research more. And, and that was choking on content and starving for execution mm. is what actually is happening nowadays and how people can actually navigate that, I think is uh, would be another good subject for us. Yeah, that'll be a whole nother conversation. I have a very different curriculum for my children after sixth grade, um, because I think that we're put onto an agenda that's not priority for us, but priority for someone else. I don't know who that is, but it's not the things that have helped me in life. Mm -hmm. So after sixth grade core curriculum for me and my children, which I continue learning are, are personal development, financial intelligence, and relationship skills. I'm always trying to go deep in those three things. And those three things weren't even enhancement curriculum, let alone core curriculum. Uh, but yeah. when I go to masterminds, events, podcasts, these are the three buckets that we really dive into. But for some reason, they've been pushed to the side. Um, and I just choose differently for, for my children because it's my job to guide them the best way I can. So good. So good. We definitely need to have you back. Thank you so much for being with us today. I know you've got to run. And thank you to all of our listeners for being with us on this show this is powerful. Do as much as you can in those 18 summers. Get the book, family board meeting, the family board meeting. Go over to 18 summers, get more information. Jim Shields, S-H-E-I-L-S. And, and thank you so much, Jim, for just an thank excellent you. conversation today. Thank you for making yeah, great this. Great talking with you guys today. Take care. Awesome. Awesome. Bye -bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Discover the secret of how to earn a return on the same money in two places at the same time so that you can strengthen your investment returns. We've created a free guide for you that explains the top three things every investor needs their privatized banking system to do. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash banking, put in your name and primary email address, click the send my free guide button right now and we'll see you on the inside. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.